Hello and welcome to Just One Cornetto, a podcast discussing all things Green at Morton. My name is Dean McKinnon and I'm your host. Just One Cornetto is brought to you in association with themortonforum.com, your hub for the latest Morton news, analysis and debate. You can reach us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at The Morton Forum. A quick morning that this podcast may contain a bit of adult language. Thank you all for listening and we hope you enjoy the show. Just one cornetto, give it to me, delicious ice cream, oh and Hi everyone and welcome to the show. Joining me today we have Louise and Evan. How are we guys? Good thanks. Uh, I'm the lad. Excellent. So it's a wonder win against Queen's Park in the league. A very successful streaming service which was obviously vastly improved from last week. An early second half goal from Cameron Blues gave us a 1-0 win and puts us into third place in the group with a game in hand over both St Mirren and Partick. Start with you first Louise. How do you think we got on tonight? I thought the kind of first half of the first half was pretty poor. I thought Queen's Park had a lot of possession. Didn't really do much with their possession, but they were still kind of better than us with the ball. I thought the defence though looked quite good tonight. I thought Ledger and Fajortov were really good. Especially Fajortov, I thought he won basically every header. Looked solid. Ledger looked good. I thought McGinty, other than this few kind of punts up the park, I thought he was actually quite good as well. I thought Blues was pretty poor in the first half, but it was good to see he got a goal. Hopefully that will kind of improve his play going forward. The formation with Muirhead, I, I don't really know what he was left wing back, left back, no idea, but wasn't really that impressed with Muirhead tonight. thought the goalkeeper was sound, didn't have anything to do. I thought when McPake came on, he was brilliant. I know we've only got him to January, but I'm really hoping that we can keep him beyond January for the rest of the season. So I thought he was excellent when he came on. But yeah, no, it was it was much better than than last week. I thought, and obviously it's good to get a win, get three points. So bodes well for going into Saturday's game now to start the league. Aye, I thought I thought we certainly grew into the game. I thought the second half was not much better than the first half, but we we certainly imposed ourselves a lot better. And other than a spell in the first twenty minutes or so, Queens Park. Barely threatened. I can't even think of a thing that McAdams really had today, other than uh, other than like a set piece of that. So other than that, you know that period at the beginning, we pretty much dominated the game, and we're never really in any any real danger of conceding, which was uh, a marked improvement on last week. Anyway, the the system the system when it was announced initially, I wasn't too crazy of it, and certainly in the first half, I I didn't. I didn't really understand that at all. It just seemed to be it's very fluid. I wasn't quite sure where everyone was actually supposed to be playing, but it didn't really matter because the only tactic we seemed to employ was McGinty hoofing the ball up the park to literally anyone. But in the, the second half, we made a couple of changes. We pushed Blues further up the pitch and got in near the goal. And obviously, McGinty's passes started actually connecting to some, some players as well. We, we we grew into it and we were never really in any danger against Queen's Park. I was pretty unimpressed for them. I think they'll be fine in the league too, but um, they're nowhere near the quality of a championship team at the moment. I think I agree with what you guys said there. There's, I think the first half, I think we looked quite disjointed, especially. Queen's Park had a lot of the ball kind of back to middle. They were 
trying to build up through their full-backs and then get it into central midfield. I think the intent was there to press, but I think the result was there were times where you could see that the full the two full-backs, when the full-backs had the ball, that was the trigger point for us to go and press the ball. Sometimes it was McGuffey and Oliver, sometimes the, the wide players were stepping up. I think a wee bit disjointed in that regard. I think overall the midfield was was quite disjointed early on. I think, as Evan said, I think we, we grew into the game rather well. I think we changed it partway through the second half, went to, to 4-2-3-1 and kind of changed personnel a little bit. And I think second half we bossed it. I was actually quite, not disappointed in Queen's Park, obviously, but I, did, I expected a lot more from them. I thought they were quite flat. I don't think they threatened much. Again, a lot of credit has to go to our back line, especially, def- especially in the centres. As we were saying about McGinty, uh, if we're going to use his distribution as the kind of go-to for an attacking build-up play, don't going to be overly successful. <laughs> but again, we'll need to see how that goes. It's their first time using that shape. I wouldn't be particularly disappointed if it was the last time we used that shape. But I think with the amount of wide players and attacking players we've got, I think it won't be the last time we see something along those lines. Yeah, I think especially with it being nine changes as well, which was a lot of changes for last week. So he's maybe just still trying to find a settled kind of first team for going into the game on Saturday. So he's maybe just trying out all different formations and stuff. But I I do agree. I I don't think the formation really worked that much in the first half. But let's just hope he's kind of using it as experimental reasons, really. And on McGinty. Hopkins, Hopkins clearly identified he's got a decent enough range of passing on him, otherwise he wouldn't be allowed to make as many of those long balls as he did. And to be fair to him, the pass he made in the lead-up to the goal was brilliant. It was a really good pass, but about 90% of the ones he played never reached the intended targets. And he kept he kept getting the ball and he would slow play it in and people would back off him and he had space that he could run into. And he'd like others that were moving in front of him that he could probably pick out a pass to, but he instead just instinctively hoofed it. So I've no idea if that is him or that's an instruction that he's been given. So I, I think it could be a, a weapon to use, but as our main source of attack, uh, no. If we're looking to vary our attacking options throughout a game, or it could be a good asset for us to use, but as your main attacking impetus across a, a 90 minute game, I don't think it's. It's at that sort of level, and it wouldn't be too long before teams found it out. Other wee things that I've got, I thought, partly during the first half, kind of changed their build-up play a little bit. I thought the midfield were a little bit slow to identify it. Instead of then, they'd initially tried to put the ball into their full-backs, then into midfield, into Grant Gillespie. They'd kind of changed that then, so they were going into the centre-backs. Gillespie and, can't remember who else it was now, but two of the three... Queen's Park Central midfield players were kind of pulling out and pivoting wider and then we're looking to get in behind our full-backs or wing-backs. I thought we were a little bit slow to identify that, but the change in shape in the second half nullified that, so I think Hopkins needs to get some credit. I thought the move for, for the goal was excellent, really well worked. Clever little assist from Oliver. I think when, when we re-signed Oliver... I was a little bit concerned that the end product wouldn't be there. I think if we look back to the first time Oliver was here and when he was with Queen's Park, he was one of those guys, he looked brilliant in flashes, but there wasn't a great deal of end product. So if he's going to get into those positions and give little assists like that, then I think it bodes well for the season. 
Uh, aye, definitely. And I mean, we've we've seen before, like yeah, I mean, it's a good few years ago now, but we've seen how good Oliver's pressing can be and how good he is at harrying and uh, getting into opposition. The problem when he was doing it the night is he was doing it and been forced out wide quite a lot once he was doing it. So even if he did retrieve the ball, he would look up and there'd be nobody he could actually pass it to because he was the central striker. He had runs from like Muirhead and McGuffey as well, but there wasn't that focal point. So I think if we are going to effectively use him, I would much rather use him with a partner. I think that's the only way it works. I don't think Oliver can play up there himself. And certainly not the way he did in the first half, but... He'll, I mean, he'll run for days, and if as a pressing system that we do want to use, he's really effective in it, but he does need, a, as you said, Dean, a wee bit of help, because he's not a finisher. Yeah, I think Oliver and McGuffey, if they're playing up front together in a partnership, I think we need to work on it a little bit. There were times where, because of the role that they were expected to play defensively, if there was a quick turnover of possession high up the park, they were too far apart to actually penetrate teams and take advantage of any mistakes which is something that I would like to see worked on. I think if we're going for a 4-2-3-1 system, I don't think it'll be as much of an issue. I think it was a combination of the shape making it look more disjointed and the players maybe not having that chemistry yet, having not played together that much. But yeah, I think overall, if if we're going to stick with the formation that we finished with, then quite encouraged by it. Yeah, I think the way that we finished, so we had McPeak and Nesbitt, up top, which was pretty good. Um, I thought the two of them were good when they came on, so I, I'd quite like to see Oliver up front with them as well. I think he'll do well with obviously McPake's pace and, and trickery and, and Nesbitt, obviously we know what he can do as well, so it'd be quite interesting to see the three of them maybe up front see how they get on. I think something that we kind of touched on briefly as well, obviously we were missing, we missed quite a lot of key players tonight, obviously McAllister and Jacobs didn't start, there was no strap. It was good to see that the guys who are maybe going to be on the fringe of the first team this season and maybe pushing for places can come in and perform in a few different shapes and still look solid defensively and create enough to win the game. Aye, and we, I mean, we have got a silly amount of attacking options at the minute and you only had to see that that substitution we made where McPake and Nesbitt were coming on at the same time. That is a ridiculous substitution to be able to make at our level. And obviously, I mean, more than likely a pair of them are going to be starting every week, so we, we wouldn't be doing that. But it just goes to show that the options we've got there and the fact that we've, we've got guys on the bench that, you know, they still haven't really played a part as well. So um, it's as much depth as we've had up front and Christ, as far as I can remember. Hopkins said in the interview that the streaming service had ran before the game. I think Hopkins said we've got 21 players, which is huge. Right. Especially when you consider, you know, we only have one left back. I think we've only got two players that are capable of playing right back, if you exclude McAllister and Jacobs. We are still a little bit away from having what I would deem to be an adequate defensive squad. Do we think then that it is going to be a case of flooding the midfield and flooding the attack and hoping for the best? Could be, yeah, but I do think this obviously, when does the transfer window shut? Is it this week? Is it Friday? Is it not shut completely for us now? The transfer window closed on the last day of September. We can still sign we can still sign loan players until I think, yeah, it'll be Friday, as far as I know. Yeah, so we should probably I think he'll probably he'll probably go in and get maybe another goalkeeper and a, possibly a right back. 
I think there's just maybe two or three players to come in. I, I don't imagine there's going to be that much more coming in. So I, I think a goalie and a right back is probably his priority. So possibly by Saturday we'll, we'll maybe have a better idea what formation and what his back four is going to be going forward. Uh, I mean, as you said at the start, Louise, like, Fjortoff absolutely strolled it tonight and pretty much every header he had to make, it was no baller. I, I, admittedly, it was against absolute guff in Queen's Park, so we're not going to get as much of an idea until we've seen him against better teams, but I thought he was absolutely fine, as was Leisure. Um, I've no idea what it's going to be like across the course of the season, but it's an improvement on what was there last week, at least. Absolutely, I think. And also, just to mention, obviously we were very critical of the, the club after last week's podcast since then. Obviously, refunds have been offered, and I thought the streaming service tonight was a huge improvement on what was offered up last week, the obviously we you could see the whole pitch streaming service ran without a hitch. A much better service all round and, and overall well worth a tenner. Aye, definitely. I I'd uh, had no issues with it tonight. And I, I know a few people had a wee few issues with buffering, but it's always going to be the case with with internet connections and streams. Uh, it was fine, much better picture. Jerry and Andy have got really good chemistry and they're really enthusiastic about stuff. I've got no complaints there. The one one thing that does worry me is uh, Jerry said at the end of the stream that the Alwa game on Saturday uh, is going to cost 14 quid, which is, is fine, but that's classed as a category C game. What are we going to charge for B and A? And I would assume Hearts are going to be the only category A game. I don't know what we've we've got in store for that. It does go in anything above 15 quid at the minute seems a wee bit steep. Yeah, so the the streaming was really good. I thought it was really professional compared to last week. Um, I thought, as Evan says, I thought Jerry and Andy were really good again. The only kind of, the thing at half time, you couldn't really hear them speak because I think the tannoy was, was playing over them. So that was the only kind of bad thing about it. But other than that, I, I was really impressed with it. I thought it was really good well worth the kind of tenner to pay for it. Yeah, much, much improved and obviously the club came out, sorted refunds. That was, it was good to see. I think they'd lost a lot of goodwill from the support after after last week's stream. So I think after tonight, I think we've, we've got every confidence that we can we can successfully stream games from Capital. Moving on then, obviously, open a league campaign on Saturday at home to Alawa. Again, Alawa will be looking to build on another successful season in the Championship last year. They've retained a lot of their squad. How do you guys think we're going to shape up on Saturday? Yeah, I think, Jeanette, as you said earlier, I think 4-2-3-1 is the best way to go. I think McPake, Nesbitt, our starters. Strap, hopefully he'll be back on Saturday because I really don't want to see your head at left-back ever again, left-wing-back, whatever position it is. I just hope that Strap's back. Yeah, I think we're in a good position. But we've, I know we kind of got beat on the penalties last week, but we've technically not lost a game the last two games. So I think they can go into this game fairly confident. I know... Games against Alwa, sometimes they can be our bogey team, but I feel quite confident going into Saturday thinking we'll get the three points. So, yeah, I, th- I think it'll be tough, but I think we should get the three points in the end. Aye, I, w- I would veer away for what we started the game with the night and certainly go more for uh, what was in show in the second half. And I would bring Nesbitt and McPake back in. McPake tonight, um, although he wasn't on the pitch for a lot, very long, you could still see flashes of you know how good he is. And he had that brilliant run towards the end where he just carried the ball for the halfway line, just beating man after man. 
So I would bring him back into the start uh, along with Nez. But in terms of Halla, you're never really sure what you're going to get with Halla. I mean, last season we started off, we beat them 4-1 at Capital, didn't we? And then uh, we obviously had that shambolic 4-4 back in February as well. They're quite a peculiar team, but we should have enough to get past them. And obviously, Al at home is the, the kind of games that you really need to be winning if you're going to be right this season. So, eh, I am I'm confident enough. I, I think we'll be okay, but we'll, we'll see how we go on, I suppose. As we alluded to, are we expecting loan players to come in before the, the loan window closes? I'd like to think so. I, I can't imagine we're going to persist with just McAdams as a goalkeeper. I mean, you saw tonight when he he went down with an injury and just about every Morton fan shat themselves because it, God knows who they're winning goal if, if he went off. So we need somebody there. I'm going to assume we're, we're not signing the Congolese international, which is deeply upsetting. But if we can bring in just some region jobber for Motherwell or whatever, that's fine. It's just somebody that's got to sit on the bench and can use their hands if required. Um, in terms of anywhere else in the pit, n- name our attackers, name our midfielders, for the love of God. Um, but we could probably do another centre-back. But I'd say it's wishful thinking at this point. I would assume the budget has been stretched as far as it is going to go and it'll just, it'll just accommodate a goalkeeper if we manage to get one. A backup goalkeeper and a backup left-back. And I'd be I'd be quite comfortable with the squad that we've got. Yeah, but I would agree. I, I think a, a goalkeeper is definitely a priority. That's got, as Evan said, we all kind of got a wee bit worried when he went down. We thought, oh no, who's who's going to go and goal? But no, I, I think goalkeeper is a priority and one or two defenders as well, I think, will probably come in. So obviously we're at home to Alawa on Saturday where they travel up to Dens Park to take on Dundee, air at home and then Wraith away before we go back into the League Cup. Looking at the League Cup fixtures, obviously St Mirren and Partick are both sitting on five points. Ourselves and Queen of the South are both on four and Queen's Park are sitting at the bottom of the table without a point. The group's opened up in a way that we didn't expect it to after we did lose to Queen of the South on penalties. Is there a chance that we could still win this group or come in second? Yeah, we're going to win a league, obviously. So, yeah, I think we'll finish top. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to finish top and be positive. (laughs) We're going to be a shout, I, I, I... I mean, I'd still expect us to beat Partick. I know, I know they've looked fairly decent in the last couple of games, but no, I would still expect us to beat them. And then St Mirren is just, I'd say it's a lottery at this point. They're still, although they, they got Partick last week, um, it's still pretty difficult to say that what state they're in and how they're going to do against us. So uh, I don't know. We're, we're still in with a shout anyway, and I'm glad that we actually won the night and we don't have meaningless games to play against them in St Mirren. I watched St Mirren take on part and Partick matched them quite well for the first half. They switched off and conceded a soft goal just on the brink of half-time. If they'd have got in still drawing at half-time, I think it would have been a very different game. The last kind of 20 minutes or so, St Mirren really just ran over the top of them and I think it does bode well for us I don't I would have confidence in our attacking players ability to, to get in behind Partick and cause them a few problems I think in the last 15-20 minutes of that game they they looked quite slow at the back they did they really just ran out of steam I think St Mirren from their point of view I think it was a much needed win and a comprehensive one at that as it turned out so I I think the group's wide open yeah be interesting to see if we can nick a win and points from 
the St Mirren and Partick games, then quite confident that we'll be, that we'll be finishing top of the group. Be good as well if the fans could get back in for the games as well. Ah, can't see it. Nah, no, and for St Mirren as well, we're stuck paying for uh, Premier Sports as well, which is a, an absolute nightmare to think cancel after you've got it. So that should be a laugh. All right, guys, we will leave it there. Big thanks to Louise and Evan for joining us. Stay tuned as we have an interview with the Morton Women's manager, Gary Forbes, coming up. Delighted to say joining me on the line is Gary Forbes, the Morton Women's team head coach. How are you, Gary? Thanks for joining us. Hey, I'm doing well, Dean. Thank you for having me on. Always a pleasure. Before we get into things, what's your reaction to tonight's win over Queen's Park? I think like everybody else, we're just delighted to get the three points. And these games are probably glorified pre-season fixtures but when it comes to us fans we want to see a bit of performance and I think we look really comfortable tonight we created some decent chance and I think there was very there was some really good positive performances in there tonight for us as well Who stood out for you? Any individuals that, that you would highlight? I thought Kovo had a good game uh, I thought he'd done really well in the midfield uh, I think defensively we were good I think overall as I was saying that Queen's Park probably kept the ball well defensively into midfield but never caused us anything in the final third so I think defensively is a positive when you compare back to last season the cheap goals we conceded so I think that's positive at the moment as well Excellent so we'll just move it on do you want to give us a wee bit of background to yourself in a coaching capacity and in how you became involved with Morton? Yeah so I've been involved in the girls and women's football for about 10 years now uh, so I started when I was about 17, 18, left school, uh, got involved in coaching and uh, started with four juniors girls section uh, and took a number of age groups there. Then moved to Morton, uh, worked with the youth teams in the Morton girls, 15s, 17s. Uh, then I went off to Glasgow City, uh, women's 19s, and I went there for about six months. Uh, and then I got the phone call asking if I'd come back and be the head coach of the women's team. So I came back about two years ago now, uh, probably just over two years ago. So it's good to be back. I think when you get the call from Morton, you don't say no when you're a supporter. Obviously, Glasgow City is the pinnacle when it comes to women's football. And what did you take from that that helped you at Morton? I think I learned loads at Glasgow City. Uh, you're working with the best players in the country, effectively. And Ian and Craig Joyce, who took the development team at that time as well, uh, Learned a lot from them just in terms of the demands that they put on the players. I think just getting into a performance environment was completely different from what I was used to at Morton at the time. And I think that put me in good stead to coming into the women's team at Morton because that's something that we've hammered home as standards and expectations. And and you picked this up from these guys every night you were on the training ground. So I think that was good. And the progression for the girls up there as well. You could see Champions League players training across from you. So it's just the environment. Uh, and you just want to make it as professional as we can make it here at Morton for them as well. So buying into the club culture of constant development and looking to, to really excel every single day, is that something that you think this Morton squad are capable of or enough shown you so far? Yeah, but I think this squad have been brilliant uh, since I've come back. We've added a lot of players. We've got a fairly young squad as well. Uh, the oldest player is 28, and then the age range between 17 and 21, 22. So as a really young squad, they're eager to learn. I think they're ambitious as well. I think they share the same ambition as what we've got as a group of coaches and what we've got at the club in terms of where we see ourselves going in the next few years. And there's loads of development there for these players as well, which, as I say, is 
is the 17 year old is learning from the 28 year old so it's really good it's a good environment and we're attracting more players from out of town now as well which is great when they're picking to travel to Greenock and Port Glasgow to train rather than going closer to home in Glasgow and Paisley and things like that so that's a huge benefit for us as a club Now obviously following on from a very successful league campaign last year you had a, an unbeaten season winning the SWPL Division 2 title Did you summarise last season how did it go for you? Last season was good it was a really strong season for us at the start of the season we had we set our marker down right away with the girls and the previous season we'd just been relegated so our main aim last season was always to win the league and get promotion we done it and we done it really well in terms of we scored a lot of goals and we conceded very few goals as well and then we went and added a League Cup onto that eh, which was incredible eh, for the girls to go and do that because that's, the leagues are regionalised at our stage but when you go nationally eh, and you go and pick up the cup and the cup run was great because of a few last minute winners and then we won the League Cup in the last two minutes of extra time as well so I think it's these moments that the girls will probably go and chase as well in terms of football again is getting that feeling that you got from that cup final and it has, it's been great. As you'd alluded to there, only in that squad, only two players over the age of 21. Is this a squad then that have yet to reach their peak? Yeah, I would say so. I think there's a lot of learning still from us. Uh, every time we go on the training field, we're still trying to implement the ideas that we want to get across. We want to compete at a higher level as well and uh, we've played a Premier League 2 team in pre-season there as well and it really sets the standard of where the girls need to get to as well so I think there is loads of learning to be done. There's tweaks in football you're always wanting to improve so I think that's something we'll continue to do and continue to urge our players to do as well as develop and a lot of them are young so they've got... 10, 15 years ahead of them in the game as well, which is great for them. So obviously ahead of your Division 1 campaign kicking off, what would you say your aims for the season are? Is it to consolidate in Division 1 or are you even a slight, slightly higher than that? I think obviously there was a reshuffle in the Championship this season with making it a performance-based league and the development teams that were previously in it have left it now and it's to make the game more performance-based and we've always spoke about this season would have been about competing and competing where we uh, every game that we play in and making sure we're hard to beat and giving a good account of ourselves but I think just the way things have panned out a wee bit is we're speaking about top half of the league is where we really see ourselves and then we're getting into five games left to see can we sneak into the playoffs but definitely we're going top half and we'll see where we are come five games to go Fantastic, so league season opens on the 1st of November, local derby against St Mirren at Park Lee, is that the, is that the game you were wanting to open the season yeah, uh, obviously it's been a wee bit different and we were due to kick off the season this Sunday and you'd prepared two friendly games to kick off this Sunday but with restrictions being in place, the league campaign suspended for the next two weeks. Uh, so I think when you're playing St Mern and adding the local derby spice into it as well, I think it's a great game for the players to kick off with as well. And there's always an added pressure there for players to go and get one over St Mern as well. And a lot of the girls in the team are Morton supporters as well, so that adds a wee bit as well. Just the way women's football is at the moment, you always know players from the opposition as well. So I think there's a few wee personal battles there as well that the girls will be wanting to get one over their friends. As a coach, how has the pandemic affected your ability on training sessions and matches? How's, how has this pre-season differed from pre-seasons before? For us, it's been uh, really difficult. I'm sure the same as every team in the same situation. It was 
Uh, we'd kicked our season off and played three league games and then it got stopped and then we went into lockdown and credit to the SWF, we were in constant contact with them, we were doing Zoom meetings and then it came to the best conclusion that we'd start again uh, come August, well come November time, which gave us a date to work to. In terms of pre-season, we just kind of got going in terms of being at a level of fitness and match sharpness that we'd have liked to have been at and then getting suspended again. Match days are a wee bit strange at the moment because it is behind closed doors. You're preparing a team at the side of the park as well when we're used to doing having the team on the wall and things like that in the changing room. So that's a wee bit unique, but the players have adapted well. They think they're at a stage now that they just want to play football and they have been great in terms of that as well. And at the end of the season there as well, our previous sponsor deal ran out as well so we were able to bring a new sponsor Specsavers Greenock on board as well during a pandemic there was great support from them as well so I think more people are buying in to what we're doing at Morton as well which is great Fantastic Is becoming an SWPL1 club the ultimate aim for, for Morton? I, I think down the line is something definitely the group of coaches and the group of players are at the club at the moment and our aim is to try and get to SWPL2 uh, and when we get to SWPL2, I think we take it from there. This year, there was a lot of criteria put in place to get into the championship to make it more performance. So as a club, we decided that we'd work towards the SWPL2 criteria to make sure that we're in a good position for that time, if that time comes and when it comes, and being able to add a physio for the girls, being able to have media assistant, being more active on social media and stuff like that, it just makes the whole club more professional and we're getting buy-in, as I say, from players now, we're getting players travelling, players are getting interviewed, they're seeing a physio on a regular basis, so it makes it worthwhile and definitely ambition is to be playing too. Do you think then that the added professionalism adds something to the women's game and contributes to football in Scotland as a whole? Yeah, I think there's definitely been a change in culture towards the women's game in the last few seasons, especially after the World Cup. There's been a lot of money being put in. When you look at Rangers and Celtic and Prem 1 have went professional. Glasgow City's always set the standards for the last 13 seasons, so... There's definitely a good buzz about the place, about the women's game. Uh, we are getting more people along to watch our games as well. and I'd encourage people to come along when they're allowed to get back into the games because pre-season previously, I think we played St Murn in a friendly and there was over 200 people at Park Lee, which was great. So it's great to see, but it's definitely going in the right direction and the professionalism makes it good for the players as well because they are part of a bigger picture and I think a lot of clubs are buying into the women's side as well. A lot of clubs are closer linked to their men's team as well, which has been great. That's excellent, Gary. Well, thank you very much for joining us and very best of luck for the season. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That was the Morton Women's Team Manager, Gary Forbes, speaking to me ahead of his side's SWFL Division 1 league opener against St Mirren. We will be back with another podcast after our opening league game of the season against Alloa. Remember, you can reach us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at The Morton Forum. Thank you all for listening and we'll see you all soon. Just one